Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Hello everyone, shalom, shalom from Palm Springs, California. This is Rabbi David Lazar and with me today, Father Andrew Green for another episode of Psalm Springs. We'll be looking today at 118 and trying to find things, ideas, feelings, knowledge, anything that might make this ancient text relevant to our lives, whether we are from the Jewish tradition, the Christian tradition, or any other tradition. We are not looking for the truth. We're looking for different aspects of the truth. So, Andrew, it's good to have you back, and soon you're going to be celebrating with Christians all over the world uh, Easter. Yes, and it's great to be here, David. I look forward to being able to uh, reflect and, uh, and chew over some of the Psalms and other texts that are important to each of us. Yeah, it's a good thing in our, in our, in our tradition, that parallel traditions, that Easter is always around the time of Passover. Always. Regardless of the year, whether it's a leap year in the Jewish uh, lunar calendar or not. And so we get to discuss these kinds of things every year at this time, as we're doing now, right before Passover and Easter. So if you could read us um, whatever parts of Psalm 118 you'd like to read from uh, the translation of your choice. Well, uh, I read primarily from the translation from the 1979 Book of Common Prayer, because uh, it's what we read uh, Sunday by Sunday. And even more importantly, it's what all of our music is written to, to reflect. Uh, so I'll just read a few verses from the beginning and then down around verse 17. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's mercy endures forever. Let Israel now proclaim his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now proclaim his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now proclaim his mercy endures forever. I called to the Lord in my distress, and the Lord answered me by setting me free. The Lord is at my side, therefore I will not fear. What can anyone do to me? And now I'm jumping down to 17, or 16. The right hand of the Lord has triumphed. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord has triumphed. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And now I'm jumping further on down to uh, 23 and 24. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day, the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And the reason that I read some verses from so many different places is that in our use in the Episcopal Church, and frankly, across the Revised Common Lectionary, Roman Catholic Lectionary, and the Episcopal Church, um, this psalm is really the quintessential Easter psalm. It's used every Easter um, years A, B, or C. It's used every day after Easter for that week after Easter, and it pops up on Palm Sunday one year. It pops up in different times in Easter, uh, in the Sundays after Easter. So it's really a significant psalm. Mm. 
Well, you know, you, you may know that this is a part of the section of Psalms, which is called, uh, which referred to as Hallel. There's a section from Psalm 113 to, uh, to 118, which is recited at every holiday and every new moon in the Jewish tradition, including at the Seder table, the Passover night uh, table. There's nothing, there are, one of the Psalms in that, in that cluster of Psalms is, is explicitly about when the Israelites uh, went out of Egypt. Uh, this Psalm has a lot in it, and it has, ref it has reference to, to the Exodus as well. Uh, but the first part of the psalm, Hodu Ladunai Kitov Kido Lam Chasto, which is give thanks to the Lord because it's good to give thanks to the Lord, is something that comes up multiple times. Um, and, and I think it does as well, right? Not in the church service, do we, is not one of the refrains, it is good to give thanks to the Lord? Oh, yes. Right. Right, you hear that at least in... Well, we say it's part of the Sersum Court, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. It is right and good and a, a joyful thing to give thanks to the Lord. And and there and part of this psalm in a synagogue is is sung uh, responsively. Uh, for instance, Hodu Ladunai Kitov Kilolam Chosto, and the congregation will answer Hodu Ladunai Kitov Kilolam Chosto, that same verse we did uh, at the beginning of, of 118 and also at the end of 118. Uh, and then there's this kind of veiled reference to the Exodus. And I want to pause a moment on, on that verse. It's one of the verses that, that you read aloud. And that's in the Hebrew, it's verse uh, 5. I, I call to you from, which verse is that? For you? So um, I called to the Lord in my distress, mm -hmm. and the Lord answered by setting me free. And which number of verse is that for That's you? verse 5. 5. So the same in the Hebrew. Um, Oh, there's a, a, a tune to this that uh, Rabbi Shlomo Kalabach uh, wrote many, many years ago. And uh, very, very popular. Um, Anani, 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 the veiled uh, reference to the to the Exodus here is that the words mean hametzar from the narrow place. The literal translation would be from a narrow place. I called out to you yeah, from Egypt. Egypt, yeah, metzar mitzrayim, mitzrayim being in this understanding, Egypt, the doubly narrow place. And uh, from out of that narrow space, uh, that narrow place, God uh, rescued the people of Israel and brought them to a wide space, right? right. You've answered my prayer, Bamerchav, in the wide space. So the narrow and the wide. And this is a verse that uh, I would imagine you've used as well, Father Andrew, I do very often in in uh, speaking with and um, spending time with people who are ill, whether it's physical ailment, whether it's spiritual ailment, uh, emotional ailment, where people feel they're in a very, very narrow place, whether it's mm -hmm. economic uh, uh, trouble, they're being squeezed. Mm -hmm. It's like having shoes that are too, too small on you and you get just home, just can't wait to take, those take them off. So it's like your soul is wrapped up in this, in this squeeze wrap, and you just can't wait to be let out. And, you know, whether it's shortness of breath or whether it's anxiety, 
the squeeze is something that we we all feel from time to time. I guess if we were able to, um, if I had been starting out my ministry with an understanding of Egypt as that narrow space or that double narrow space and connected Exodus and the rescuing from captivity to that sense of narrowing being squeezed, uh, it would make for a great deal more connection when when I would pastor people who were feeling squeezed for one way or another, how that connected with a historical sense of God's people throughout history who have been squeezed but have found God with them even to bring them to a wide space. And of course, that was the inspiration for for many in the civil rights movement uh, or in South South America, uh, liberation theology. Um, you know, it's it can go from the individual to to the the group to the wider group. Uh, but one might also say, a few weeks ago we got together. Uh, I'm sure you remember to talk about uh, Psalm 22, and uh, and we were discussing in that context the passion narrative. One might also say, and I'm guessing there is a church father that says this. One might also say that this is kind of Jesus on the cross. You know, Eli, Eli, you know, why have you forsaken me? That's yes. in that tight spot, and then and then he's kind of set free. Yeah, to come back. Well, that is that is a great uh, insight about that. So I could give a sermon in the church, right? You could you could indeed give a sermon in the church about that. And frankly, sermons about wide narrow spaces and God rescuing us out of wide to wide spaces, and that Jesus has been there Himself and goes before us would be uh, right along with the most productive of any sermon one might preach. So now that we're on the topic of the resurrection and it, and it is Easter time, um, tell us a little bit about what. So what 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 is the the best understanding of that narrative, and how might this psalm relate to it in, in in the liturgy, out of the liturgy? When we when we read the psalms, one of the things that happens is that um, I don't think for either of our traditions do we read the whole psalm as if the whole psalm connects for a particular topic. We often cherry pick. There are verses, and I think it was the tradition in the Roman church that quite often they would just sing one verse, and that would kind of be standing in for the whole psalm. Mm -hmm. And um, so there are particular verses that we read that are significant for things like for the resurrection. So you get down to... Um, Verse, um, verse 17, well, actually, verse 16 and 17. The right hand of the Lord has triumphed. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord has triumphed. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Well, it's kind of a victorious um, uh, affirmation at the resurrection. And that is so unequivocal uh, it's one that is echoed throughout the Easter season. And so it's something we would often turn to. Um, but again, our understanding of resurrection doesn't go line by line with Psalm 118. Um, we, believe, we understand that Jesus actually died on the cross. So he wasn't just kind of like in a deep sleep and got awakened. He died and was 
given new life. Um, this psalm goes on after the passage that I read, and it talks about, um, you did not hand me over to death. Well, Christians who feel the need to make sure every line matches up with our theology and understanding might say, oh, well, didn't hand him over, didn't mean didn't leave him there. And I'd suggest that this psalm really is talking about somebody on the brink of death. Mm -hmm. And Christians understand that Jesus died and that God gave Jesus new life. Mm -hmm. That's why it's God's action that we celebrate. How about verse 19? Open for me the... The, the gates, gates of, of, righteousness, of righteousness, and I will enter them. I will offer thanks to the Lord. Now, I believe that that's one of the verses that we do for Palm Sunday, mm -hmm. and it's about the uh, entry into Jerusalem and that the idea of the gates being opened at that time is something that uh, has been echoed throughout um, Christianity for that Palm Sunday experience. Mm -hmm. uh, sung... A melody that's sung in many synagogues is Pituli Share Tzedek Avovam Odeya Zehasha Ladonai Sadikim Yavohuvo. And it goes on to the rest of the verses. Much of this psalm is sung aloud. Yeah, it's sung aloud to different tunes that different uh, Jewish customs have picked up from different parts of the world. Um, Share Tzedek. Uh, you know, these these gates might open. Um, Shari Tzedek is the gates of righteousness, the name of, of a very well-known and uh, excellent hospital in Jerusalem. That's where Sasha had most of my wife, Sasha, most of her career was at the Shari Tzedek Hospital. Uh, it's an Orthodox-run hospital. Perhaps that's why it has such a religious name. Although I have to say the other, other another hospital in, in Jerusalem is the Bikrucholim, which means uh, visiting the sick, taken from the religious background. And the third hospital is Hadassah, because it was started by the Hadassah Women's Group. Yeah. But that's not all that connected to here. And how about verse 22? Evan The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Yeah, so in, when the psalmist writes this, um, I think it's echoing a very human condition of the underdog, the person who's misunderstood, the person who doesn't have the rights, and who's finally redemption comes, personal redemption comes through being recognized, mm -hmm. being recognized as a foundation stone. Uh, Jewish uh, understanding of this soon after, I would imagine everybody talked about the Davidic authorship of the book of Psalms, uh, this was David. Right? David was the, the son who was overlooked wasn't chosen you know, to be the king, and he became the king. Um, how is this understood in, in Christian theology? Well, in Christian theology, Jesus was considered to be the stone that the builders rejected, and uh, the one whom um, the Jesus' own people could not did not accept as the Messiah. And so these verses uh, have also played into... Um, some of Christianity's uh, long-running battle kind of with Judaism, uh, that there, it's not just enough that though the, uh, the stone that was rejected became the cornerstone, sometimes Christians have felt the need to kind of rub it in the face 
of the folks who we have decided from time to time were responsible for that rejection. Well, it's Matthew himself who is most probably addressing Jews, the author of Matthew, Gospel Quoting Matthew, who kind of made it very clear that uh, it's Jewish responsibility, and it wasn't until 1965, right, that we kind of got out of it, at least in the Roman Catholic eyes. Roman Catholic eyes. Yeah. It was interesting, in, in looking through commentaries around this, um, virtually every commentary uh, has, has this as um, something connected. It's almost always coming, something comes back to... Um, a Jewish responsibility for Jesus' death. Mm, interesting. And uh, I don't know that this uh, connects, but one of the things I looked at was this was Martin Luther's favorite song, psalm. But it was that verse 17 that was his favorite verse. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Uh, and I don't think he was considered a great friend of Judaism by any means. No, but he himself, though, was, was an object of, of hatred and persecution. Yes, right? yeah. yes. Yeah, no, L Luther, I, the quote that I remember from Luther, the only quote I know is from, uh, it's either from, an I saw an introduction to either uh, Maccabees or uh, one of the books of Maccabees or Esther, in which Luther said that he hoped and he prayed that Esther and Maccabees would not be part of the canon. Right, he, he he deeply regrets that they are part of the canon because they're so Jewish. Yeah, which we get a kick out of. Them. Yeah. But, uh, um, okay. There's a uh, we we spoke a few weeks ago about Eli Eli Lama Azavtani Lama Shabbatani or however it would have been pronounced in different Greek versions. There's a, a similar opening to verse twenty eight. Eli, right? My God, Ata, you are my God, Veodeka, and I will praise you. I will give thanks to you. Elohai, you are my my God. Another language for God, Eli and Elohai are really the same, just a different versions of the same word. My God, Aromameka, right? I will raise you upon high. I will, raise I will you exalt you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the psalm itself is one that uh, is filled with praise and it's, um, it's one of those that uh, we can we can leave the church uh, lifting our hands and feeling good compared to that psalm we did a few weeks ago, Psalm 22, where it's really hard to get past the Eli Lema Sabachthani. Wow. And of course, the end of the psalm is like I mentioned, Hodu Ladunai Kito, Kilo Lam Chasto. The final word is the same. The final uh, uh, line is the same as the first line. So, Beautiful inclusio, what's known as inclusio in biblical um, language um, or in the research of, of, of biblical literature. Um, we, it's good to give thanks. It's, uh, it's a good thing to give praise to the Lord. Um, are there any songs that come out? I mean, I've, been, I've sung a few songs. Are there any songs, since this is such a popular song, that you might be able you, to You know, us? I've been an um, anxious to be able to sing something, although my voice won't compare to, uh, to your... Oh, come now. You've got 40 years of experience of leading yeah. prayer and song. But this one, uh, verse 24, is one that perhaps any... Um, Christian, perhaps I don't know whether whether Jewish folks use this in anything, uh, but I learned it in church camp, and it was in Sunday school and things like that. 
This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. I'll save you from the rest of the uh, the hook on that one. But as you mentioned, someone who shares the microphone with you from time to time here, uh, Kevin Johnson and Bloom in the Desert, they sing that uh, as a welcoming song, I believe, every week for people who, for them to get ready to worship. Right. Um, this became uh, an important line in new liturgy. The new liturgy of the 20th century came with the founding of the State of Israel and the new holiday, Yom Ha'atzmaut, the Day of Independence, Israel Day of Independence, in which in religious Zionist, Orthodox Zionist circles, and I was a, 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 that was my background at the time when I was a teenager, in my early 20s, um, prayers were, 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 new prayers were added in a, in a climate where you never had new prayers. But the Zionist ideology and the feeling that this was the beginning of Messianic times, it still is for many people, those may not be my views today, but they were at the time. Um, this is the this is the line that is recited as part of the special ceremony that was designed for for uh, welcoming that Hagatzmot, that holiday of independence. This is the day. This is the day. You know, 1940 on that day when we were recognized in the UN. This is the day that God, uh, you know, that God has chosen and God has made. If you think about a way of um kind of spreading this out for something that one might take away and use for for their own spiritual well-being. Um, it's pretty hard to beat this for almost any day, uh, a way to wake up and to offer this as a, an opening prayer. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, might make a whole difference in the way that that day um, is lived out and the ways in which uh, our engagements with people throughout that day might be different if we understood it as a God-given joyful day for us to be in. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful way for us to end this, uh, this, this great Psalm 118. Uh, wishing all of our listeners a Chag Sameach, Chag Pesach Sameach, a good Passover and a, uh, a good, joyful, and meaningful Easter celebration with all the days that come before and after for all of us in all the different ways that we observe. Father Andrew, thank you again for being here. Rabbi David, it's my pleasure. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California, and we'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.